0: Learn what your peers do, learn what they do, understand what what their hopes, fears, challenges are, because you're going to need to understand that when you become a CEO to be effective in the job. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go.
1: Sangram Welcome to Tuesday Takeover Series. If you've been listening to Tuesday Takeover series, it's been phenomenal. I'm learning a lot. And, and last week we had Katie Bullard, who is the president of Discover Org, share her story of transition, going from CMO to president. And, and the conversation was so fascinating. She has gone ahead and done herself three interviews of three incredible people who have gone through similar transitions and and, and the whole their story, their feedback. So first of all, Katie, thank you so much for sharing your story last week. If anybody hasn't listened, go back and listen to it. And, and again, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Sangram. I had so much fun. I think that was one of the best conversations we've had in, in a while. And, and I really hope that the audience gets a, a, few, a few nuggets out of it.
1: Oh, I'm sure they do. So everybody, if you haven't listened, pause, go back, listen to last Tuesday, because it will set the stage for the series that Katie is doing. So Katie, what are you calling this series and who are you interviewing today?
2: Yeah, so we've got a series of 3 CMOs who've made the transition to CEO. So we're calling the series CMO to CEO, successfully making the ultimate transition. And I'm so excited. One of the folks who I'm interviewing was actually a former boss of mine. So that was a that was a really kind of personal and fun interview to do. But the first one we're going to interview is Bob Conlin, who is the CEO of Navex Global, the leading compliance solution in the industry right now. And I actually met Bob when I was a director of marketing and he was a CMO and I had never been in marketing before. And he was one of the, the first people who I went to for best practices. Um, he's got some really great advice on how to build a strong relationship with the board, especially if you're a VC or private equity backed, even as a CMO that's gonna help you in that transition to CEO. So super excited about that one. Um, the next interview was with Elisa Steele, like total powerhouse. Uh, Elisa's the CEO of Namely. She'd been the CMO at Splunk. Uh, she'd been at Yahoo, just an incredible background in both B2C and B2B. And she had just some very profound advice on what it really means to be a leader and how to, um, how to nurture and create a company and a culture um, that I just, I, I loved. It was a great conversation. Um, and then finally, my former boss, Peter Poulin, who's the CEO at Green Revolution Cooling, or GRC for short. So Peter was the EVP of sales and marketing at Denim Brashley Hoover's back when I was at Hoover's. And he basically gave me the, the my very first marketing role Ever, even if it wasn't really called marketing. And so it was really fun to kind of come back and have this conversation with him, you know, 10 years later. Peter has built this career of taking companies that are, that, you know, need to be fixed, that are sort of broken. He even says he's kind of a fixer and getting them back on the right track and creating so much value. And so he's got some great advice on how to think about businesses from that perspective. And again, when you're in that marketing role, what you can do. To really make an impact. So I'm really excited. I think the audience will really get a lot out of each of those interviews.
1: I love that, Katie. These three sound so different in and itself. Like even though they are CMO to CEO as they transition, one talking about board, one talking about leadership, and one talking about fixing what might be broken. Oh, I can't wait to listen. So again, for everybody, if you have, if you've happen to listen to this maybe the second or the third one go bang and listen to the other two you would see the chain the chain of thoughts across the board and you're gonna love it so again katie thank you so much for doing this
2: thanks everybody, welcome to the Flip My Funnel podcast. My name is Katie Bullard, I'm the president of Discover Org, and I am honored to be guest hosting this series on CMO to CEO, how marketing leaders can make the ultimate transition. It's not easy and not many do it, so what are the secrets to success? Well, I could not be more excited about our guest today. Peter Pullen is the CEO of Green Revolution Cooling, he was formerly the CEO at Motion Computing. And more importantly, he also happens to be my boss and mentor back when we worked together at Hoover's, where he was the EVP of marketing. I think I was in my very first pseudo-marketing role. It wasn't even really marketing. I knew nothing about SaaS marketing, and I learned all of the ropes from Peter. He was uh, one of those leaders that just made everybody around him better, and I learned so much from him in the process. So, Peter, welcome to the show.
0: Well, thanks, Katie, and thanks for the kind words. I learned a lot from you as well.
2: I don't know about that. Back in, <laughs> back in the day, um, that was fun. I I, I will say I, I I miss working in that office. I think we you know we had a great group of people, and it's been fun to stay in touch over the years, and and to see how we've each yep. changed and grown in our careers. You bet. So Peter, I'm curious. You, you this is you're on your second CEO gig now. You had many roles earlier in your career related to sales, business development, and marketing. And when you started out in those sales and marketing roles, did you know that you wanted to become a CEO? Did you have that as a goal?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think very early in my career, I had concluded that's what I wanted to do. I think early in my career, I had these visions of running a Fortune 50 company. And when I was at Compaq, I kind of felt like, yeah, maybe I'm on that path. I've since come to realize I get much more satisfaction out of smaller companies and particularly emerging technologies, where you kind of feel like you're changing the world a little bit. But clearly, yeah, that has always been my long-term goal: is to uh, to sit in the CEO role and and hopefully help help companies you know advance whatever the agenda those shareholders, investors, and employees have.
2: You know, I'm I'm always fascinated by that transition because I see a lot of of CMOS or CROs that are amazing. Functional leaders, right? They're great marketing leaders, or they're great sales leaders. Those aren't necessarily the ones that make the best CEOs. And quite frankly, oftentimes the ones that make the best CEOs aren't the ones who are the best functional leaders. So, as as you look back on on your career and in thinking about that goal that you had very early on, you know, what do you think were the three or four things that helped you move from being a functional leader? To being the enterprise
0: leader that you are well I think one of the things that I was that really helped Compaq gave me a lot of opportunity to grow and I was there when the company was a little company is when I joined it and I was there for almost fourteen years and through that period they gave me an awful lot of opportunity to learn different functional roles and I think that's one of the things that really helped me you know move to a CEO role and be successful is understanding how the pieces fit together. You know, you know, it's often said that partnerships, you know, the strength of your partnerships represent the strength of your business. And those partnerships are not just external, they're internal as well. And, you know, your peers and other functional groups are your partners in advancing this. But if you don't have empathy and understand the challenges that they face and the expectations that they have, it's sometimes a little bit more difficult to to make those partnerships work effectively. So I think having the diversity of not just sales, marketing, biz dev experience, but also having the opportunity to do, you know, strategy work, stuff that was finance related, stuff in operations, supply chain, product development. Those are all things that, you know, start to give you that broader perspective that a CEO must have. Otherwise, you know, sometimes you have a tendency to, Maybe be a little more attuned to the messages and direction you're comfortable with versus the broader perspective of the whole team.
2: On that one, before we move to the second one, I'm curious, what advice would you give for somebody who knows that they want that broader perspective? Maybe they're not you know, one of the first employees at a smaller company where it's easy to wear a lot of hats. What advice would you give for somebody who wants that broader perspective? How, how could they position that request or that opportunity?
0: Well, I think part of it is you've got to make it known right what you want what you want out of your time at any particular company if If your leadership doesn't know that that's what you want, obviously they're you know they're not going to be able to create that, so you can't be afraid to say, "I want to move on to those things and then there's a certain amount of the responsibility that is your own, which is particularly within a large organization right you've got to seek out those opportunities, and part of that is you know, initially building relationships with other people in other departments. And and those are some of the things that create those, that open those doors, at least to some oppor- some opportunities for somebody to maybe, quite frankly, take a chance on you. I mean, I was, I was really, really fortunate when I was at Compaq. I mean, I got asked to go fix a giant supply chain problem, and I knew nothing about a supply chain. And I had bosses that, trusted me to figure it out and but that comes with doing the job that you're in yeah effectively
2: yeah I think that's key that's a lot a lot of times what people forget is they they will, they, they want to do so much more than their current job but the first thing is do what you're doing really really well and then those other yeah you've
0: heard yeah you've heard that expression bloom where you're planted yeah you got to do that first <laughs> before they're going to transplant you into a new flower box
2: All right, so that was number one. So really understanding the other functions, looking for that broader perspective and and seeking those opportunities out. Um, What was the second thing that helped you make that transition?
0: Well, I think one of the things you learn as a sales and marketing person, and, and particularly as a marketing person, is communications, right? As taking maybe complex concepts, strategies, and simplifying them. Simplifying them in a way that they're memorable, impactful, and probably more, most importantly, repeatable, right? Uh, because it's critical to get organizational alignment and have clarity for the team. I, I read somewhere, I can't remember who the author was, but he was quoted as saying, you know, the worst competitor you have is day-to-day confusion within your organization. Is people not knowing what they should do and what they shouldn't. So if you learn to really simplify messages in a way that is memorable and impactful and repeatable, you can get that kind of organizational alignment, you know, that, you know, I know it's cliche, the term everybody rolling in the same direction, but that's really what you have to have. And it's not just your employees because organizationally you, as a CEO, you've got a number of stakeholders. Right, you've got your employees, you've got your customers, you got a board of directors, uh, you've got investors, and not all of them have the same level of understanding of the business. So, you know, being able to simplify some of those messages so that people have clarity and can actually repeat it to other people, I think is one of the things you learn as a communicator in in a sales and marketing role that really helps you with that organizational alignment critical to being a successful CEO.
2: Do you have any frameworks that you really rely on or use to create clarity in the organization?
0: Yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. multiples. right? So, you know, usually we go through some kind of strategy planning process that then gets rolled out to the entire team. Uh, and then the functional managers roll it out at another level of detail to their teams. It kind of lays out the annual plan, if you will. And then we we communicate quarterly goals right which typically we have we call them our big rocks there's usually three or three to five really big rocks that we as an organization need to accomplish and underneath that every functional group has three four maybe five key goals that support those those big rocks we review that every single week every monday morning the entire organization now we're not a big organization right we got 30, 35 employees, but everybody sits through that and we review our progress and any issues we have. And then we go around the room and ask everybody: is there somebody, are you getting held up? Are you having any obstacles? Or is there something you need from somebody else in this room to help you accomplish the goals that are on this list? So we that's one of the elements that we do to try to keep people aligned. And it's amazing too how. We do. Uh, we bring lunch in every Wednesday for everybody, and we all sit around. We're a classic startup model here, right? We sit around the ping pong table and you know, and chairs, and then on uh, on Thursday we usually all get together at the end of the day, and it's this kind of informal setting. It's remarkable the things when you're in that kind of informal setting over lunch, and you get into the conversation about the business and the discovery that happens and the confusion that might exist that you get an opportunity to clarify. So those are some of the things that we're that we're routinely doing to try to keep people aligned.
2: I love that. And even if you're a CMO, right, you could take that same similar framework and leverage it for your team as well, which even I'm guessing, right, even if even if it's it's perhaps not done by the CEO as a CMO, if you're thinking about how to create clarity for your own team and what those big rocks are and how what they're doing every day should be focused on one of those, I imagine that's one of those things one of those things that's also going to set you apart and put you on that that path
0: yeah I think that's absolutely true and you know your timing's interesting because today in our leadership meeting uh, it was all about the leadership team going through q two goals and you know, I'm identifying what I think are the big rocks, and then they're laying out what they think are the key things they need to do to contribute to that. And also, you know, identifying what are the cross-functional dependencies that we might have. And, you know, often I'll I'll give them what I think their goal should be. And then we have a discussion about, you know, what is even possible, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, they, they came to the meeting with what they thought their goal should be after they had already reviewed it with their teams. Okay. So, for example, I had the engineering come back to me today and say, you know, Peter, I thought these were the goals that we should have. I talked to my team. We can't get all of them done. We think we should make this tradeoff. And so they came prepared, right? And now the team's bought in, right, because they know they had input to what those goals. They weren't just pushed directly down to them. They're going to, you know, meet with the engineering VP tomorrow. And he's going to tell them, hey, we took your feedback. We made some changes to the goals based on your feedback. Now you're all in. And you're going to be held accountable. that. It.
2: it sounds really similar to one of the frameworks I love to use, which is Patrick Lencioni's books on the, uh, the five dysfunctions of a team and the advantage and how to create clarity. I'm just I'm curious. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite frameworks for thinking about how to create that clarity. So uh, curious if you've ever taken a look at that one as well.
0: I have the book actually sitting on my desk right now.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I don't think we talked about back in back in the day, whatever that was, ten years ago. So I love that we both came.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Can I tell you a funny compact story real quick before we go to number three?
0: I'd love to. Love to hear it.
2: What? So you were at compact back in what was it? The early nineties.
0: Nineteen eighty-six to nineteen almost two thousand.
2: Okay. So compact and headquartered outside of Houston, right?
0: Yeah, just outside, just northwest of downtown Houston. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, Okay, so I lived about two miles from the compact campus between mm-hmm. 1986 and 1996, and graduated from high school from uh, Tomball High School, which was the the school district that the compact campus was in. And every year, you know, we we were sort of a, a country school district. I mean, we weren't we weren't like a super well-to-do school district or anything. But every year, we got new computers because of Compact. And so we learned how to learn how to literally like type and I don't remember what they call it, keyboard whatever it was back in the day because, <laughs> because we were, you know, we were in the Compact school district. So we were probably super close to each other even back then.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. That is an interesting connection.
2: Okay, so the second one that you just talked about was, you know, making the the complex really simple and creating clarity for the team. Um, helping you make that transition from CMO to CEO. What, what, what do you think the third thing that helped you was?
0: I think in particular, the experience as a sales VP, as a marketing guy, it's really helped with my decision-making calculus. And I think when you become a CEO, it's rare that the decisions that have to be made by the CEO are, you know, black and white decisions. I mean, you don't need a CEO to make those decisions. Your team can make those decisions. So it's always a question of what's the best decision because there tend to be trade-offs, right? They're good or bad. So how do, you, how do you think through that organizationally? And I consider it an advantage of having been a sales and, and marketing guy. Maybe others don't, but I consider it an advantage because it's easy for me to take a very customer-centric approach to my thinking through this. Right, is you know, as I think through the trade-offs, I try to think about it from the customer's perspective. Is why would a customer care about one path versus another? Is one path going to create more value versus another path for that customer? Now naturally you have to think about it's got a great value for the company as well, right? But when you start thinking about that way. I mean, I think you start making decisions that are in the best interest of your customers, and if you do that on a consistent basis, you're really building a company that will last, because obviously without customers, you don't have a company that lasts. So I think that's one of the things that you just naturally fall into when you spend so much time in front of customers and having kind of that empathetic view of the customer's perspective.
2: I love that. And and I mentioned, too, when you get into that CEO role and you've been there for a while, sometimes it can be easy to lose that perspective because you're pulled in so many other other directions. So what, what have you found that has made it easy for you to keep that customer centric mentality, even when you're dealing with all of the things that, you know, a CEO has to, all the other hats the CEO has to wear outside of just that sales and marketing hat?
0: You have to keep engaging with customers. I mean, I think it's that simple. You just have to keep engaging with them. You have to find the time to keep engaging with them. You know, one of the ways that really enables you to kind of get, you know, rather than making maybe individual phone calls, which I'll do some of, but some of these industry events are great vehicles. You know, I'll go work the booth, right? Because I'm going to see lots of customers in a very short period of time. I'm going to be able to communicate what I perceive as, you know, the value we're creating for them you know, listen to their questions, understand their objections, understand what their concerns are, what they perceive as the risk, what they perceive as the benefit. And, you know, you, over the course of a day, you spend a day in your trade show booth, you're going to talk to a lot of prospects and customers. And, you know, it's going to keep you connected. Now, obviously, we have relationships with key industry analysts, you know, in our business, if for 51, those folks, and spend a lot of time talking to those analysts who are having A lot of conversations with our customers as well and so sometimes I get the uh, you know unfiltered truth about what customers like and don't like about what we're doing so uh so that's been very helpful as well
2: that is a great idea I love that See you at the trade show booth well Peter we are coming up to the end of our time today so if you were to give a young CMO somebody's been in the role for a year or so one piece of advice on what it's going to what they should be focused on in order to ultimately in their career move to the CEO role. What's that one piece of advice you would give them?
0: Learn what your peers do. Learn what they do, understand what what their hopes, fears, challenges are because you're going to need to understand that when you bec- become a CEO to be effective in the job.
2: That's great. And I like that you made the complex simple right there too. I try. <laughs> Thanks again, Peter. This was fantastic. And next time I'm in Austin, we'll be getting coffee.
0: That sounds fantastic. Looking forward to it, Katie. Take care.
1: Sangram here. All right. You already might have heard that I launched my newest book, ABM is B2B. So I want to give you a gift for being a podcast listener for some of you have been listening it for the whole Year and a half, and and send me so many messages. So I want to gift you. I want to gift you a copy of the book. I'm not asking you to buy. I'm literally gifting you the copy of the book. So if you text me at three three seven 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 with the keyword ABM is B two B, simple as that. Text me when you get a chance. Don't don't drive and text. Like when you stop, it will be in the show notes. Just take a look at it. The keyword is ABM is B two B, and text me that keyword at three three seven seven seven. It will add, ask you for a physical address so I can ship you the book. And I just want to say thank you. I am super excited. Hopefully, I can uh, get this book to as many of you who have been a loyal listeners and evangelists of the Flip My Funnel podcast.
0: Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.